Well, it is exciting to be here. I was a 15-year-old boy. I like to give my testimony. I was a 15-year-old boy. I grew up in a uh, Catholic church. And uh, when I was 15, my buddy invited me to a uh, Baptist youth group. Uh, they were having a snow blast up on Mount Bachelor. And uh, it was uh, it was uh, two days in the snow with uh, no parents and pretty girls. And I was told there'd be some there. And I said, sign me up. I want to go. And so I did. And I met me a pretty girl. And... Uh, and I met my Savior that week, and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior as a 15-year-old boy, and and I married that pretty girl. She's been my wife now for, uh, we're coming up on 40 years, and uh, it's just exciting to be uh, to be saved. It's exciting to, to know the Lord. It's exciting to serve the Lord, and uh, there's just no greater joy than to have, uh, to have that. Uh, I want to look at a passage of Scripture here today. It's in Romans chapter 4. We're going to look at Romans chapter 4. I've got about a, uh, uh, you know, six-page introduction and three tiny points, and there might even be a poem at the end. I don't know. But uh, but that's what we're looking at tonight, Romans chapter 4. We're going to start in the middle, go to the end, and then go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 4. And uh, that's just kind of how we're coming at it today. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 got your Bibles, Romans chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to forget this songbook if I don't set it down over here. So excuse me one second while you're turning your pages there. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Bible says this, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. I want to preach on this subject tonight against all hope, against all hope. Let's pray again and we'll get started. Father, thank you for... Uh, just this opportunity again, God, I pray you'd guide and direct my thoughts today. Lord, I pray that I'd not be a distraction up here. And Father, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity to to preach, to sing, to rejoice with your people. And God, it's so amazing, no matter where we go, God, there's your people that are have the same spirit and the same heart and the same joy, Father. And uh, it's just so exciting. So Lord, I do pray that you just give us a uh, great time in your word tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. I've been uh, doing a, 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 a series recently in the prisons about using your, your testimony as a tool to win souls to Christ. One of the things that we want to see is we want to see, uh, you know, the inmates using using their story, their testimony to reach other inmates with the gospel. And that's a that's a good thing, by the way, to see uh, see people seeing other people saved. And so that was that's what I've been trying to teach on uh, for the last uh, uh uh, recently, the last couple of months, uh, we had a series on that. And part, at the end of the series, I asked the men if they would stand up and give their testimony. I gave them a kind of an outline of what I was looking for. We looked at the Apostle Paul's uh, testimony in Acts 20, uh, 22, I believe, and 26, and just looked at those those testimonies that he gave. And uh, uh, 
And so I gave him an outline, and then I asked them to come up one night and give their testimony. We did it at all the facilities. And there was just some great, exciting testimonies. I mean, they're just exciting testimonies to hear how God had intervened and how God had stepped into their lives and how God had worked uh, wonderful things in their lives. And and, uh, uh, it was just interesting to me, of the seven men at OSCI that gave their testimonies, there were more there, but of the seven that gave their testimonies, Two of them were preacher's kids. One was the son of the music minister, and two others had grown up in church. So so it's just interesting to me. And through rebellion and through drugs and through sin, they all found themselves at the end of a very dark road facing years in prison. But what was interesting about the testimony is what, when they finally reached the end of themselves and they finally ran out of the road, when they finally got to that ploy, place, Jesus Christ stepped in and gave them a new life. And it was just one of the guys I was talking to. He was a, he was, he's a Romanian guy, but he's like first generation. Maybe his parents came across first generation. He grew up here, but still has a very heavy accent and, and grew up in the, uh, the Romanian church. And, and as soon as he had opportunity, and this is his testimony, uh, he's been in prison now about 26 years. Uh, as soon as he had opportunity, he, he ran out of church, ran out on God, and he, he got himself in a lot of trouble and he found himself facing a life term, life without parole. And he said, I was sitting in, in, in the jail. I was sitting in jail. It might have been prison at this time, but he was sitting in jail. He said it was the worst situation he had ever encountered in his life. It was hopeless. It was the worst thing he'd ever found himself in. Worst set of circumstances. He's sitting there amongst the stink and the stench of prison, and it does smell bad. I'm going to tell you that right now. You never, if you watch lockup, you don't have a smell of vision. You can't tell what's it's bad. And so, uh, uh, so anyway, uh, but worst situation of his life. And he said, Jesus Christ came in. He said, I cried out to God. I said, I can't go through life without you. I can't do this without you. You've got to save me. You've got to come into my life. You've got to help me. And he said, in the worst situation he's ever had, he's had the most joy that he ever had. And there he was sitting in prison, but still life sentence. So I, I didn't have any motivation to change. This is his testimony. I didn't have any motivation to change, but the Holy Spirit of God had entered in my heart and the changes starts happening. He said, I had a joy I never had before. I had a peace I never had before. I had purpose that I never had before. And he began to, to do what he could and study the Bible. And he decided he wanted to be, he was going to work in the chaplain, uh, chaplaincy department. So he was, he's the chaplain's helper. And he's that guy that when he shows up, you're like, hey, we can have church. Uh, he's here now. Yeah, just full of joy. And I've known him now probably 10 years. I've known him. Uh, he was uh, the very first service we had at OSCI uh, 10 years ago, and he's been coming ever since. I, I, you could probably count on one hand the times he's missed in the 10 years. And so just really faithful guy, very, very encouraging, always kind, always has a smile, always ready to help another inmate. Just one of those guys but he still has life in prison. No hope. He said, all of my appeals are exhausted. I've appealed every matter that I could and they all were exhausted. And I've just decided I'm going to be in prison for life. Well, two years ago, there was a court case out of Louisiana. 
And there was a guy who was arrested and he was, and he was convicted of a crime, but he was convicted 10-2, not 12-0. And their law allows for conviction on, on a 10-2. Well, he said, wait, everywhere else in the country, just about, that would have been a hung jury, but in this state, I'm going to, I'm going to prison. So he appealed. So it was a due process violation. Went all the way to the Supreme Court two years ago. Supreme Court said, yeah, you can't do it. You can't do a 10-2. It's got to be 12-0. Well, there's only one other state in the union that has 12-2 or 10-2 convictions, and it's the state of Oregon. And this man had been convicted 10-2. Now he's been in prison 25 years. He had multiple crimes that he had committed, and most of them, he's already, he's fully satisfied those sentences. The one, the one, the, the life in prison, that one was the one he was convicted 10-2 on. And so, so the state of Oregon has been arguing about this for the last couple of years. It's gone, it's got, you know, the cases are going back and forth because there's over 300 people sitting in prison on 10-2 convictions. And the state doesn't want to have to reprocess all to, you know, 350, retry. You can imagine the, you know, 20, 25 years in, you can imagine the cost and the, the, the manpower and all the problems that's going to create. So they were fighting amongst the state and it went all the way up to the state Supreme Court. He said in 2022, he said, I went to my roommate. I said, this is the year that God's going to, he's going to get me out of this place. He said it in January and he said it in February. He said it in March and his roommate's like, you're crazy. April, May, June, you're nuts. No, this is the year. July, August, September. No, I'm telling you, this is the year. October, November. No, this is the year. Uh, December 10th. December 25th is Christmas Day. No, it's going to be this year. December 31st in the afternoon, the state Supreme Court releases their finding and says, you've got to either let these people go or retry them. And now he's just kind of waiting for that dust to settle. This was a guy who had no hope. No hope of getting out. But God stepped in and gave him hope. We were talking to a, there's a young man, and I've known him for years. Uh, but Rick, you guys know Rick. Rick's known him for longer than I've known him. He was, uh, he was, uh, involved in the gang life and he grew up, uh, grew up fast and hard when he was 13. Uh, his best friend was shot and killed as he was watching and died in his arms. And he was in that gang lifestyle and, and, and there was another gang that was interested in doing him harm, thought he had snitched on them or something. And so, uh, his house got shot up in a drive-by shooting. His mom and his sister in the house as the bullets are flying and he got himself in a situation where he thought, well, this is kill or be killed. Kill or be killed. And so he ended up with a 12 year attempted murder sentence. And uh, he said, you know, I got to uh, Donnelly Long facility and there was this guy named Brother Rick and he just showed up in my, he showed up there and he came every week. And so then, then I went out to, uh, he said, then I went out to uh, Hillcrest and there was this guy named Rick and he just kept showing up, giving the gospel every week. He said, then I went to McLaren and Brother Rick was there giving the gospel with Brother Sid and they'd come every week. 
He said, I've gotten all the way through the youth system. I got out of, uh, I got out of the youth, the youth facility. I aged out, so I've still got three and a half years on my sentence. I came to Columbia River. I walked in church, and there was Brother Sid giving the gospel again. He said, they just kept following me around and giving me the gospel. That was his testimony. Just a great kid. Great young man. The Lord's done a wonderful work in his life. And there's just story after story I could tell you about these people. And against all hope, Jesus Christ stepped in. Against all hope, they got saved. Against all hope, they got delivered. And they have a home in heaven. And it's so dramatic and it's so exciting to see Christ stepped in, changed their lives. And we hear these stories, life-changing, life-altering stories about how Christ came, came in and gave hope where there was no hope, gave purpose where there's no purpose, and get, did a work in their lives. And we think, wow, God really reached down to get those guys, Brother said. God, he really reached into that prison. He really reached right down and to get those kids, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But let me remind you today, Christian, he reached way down when he got me too. Amen. He reached way down when he got you too. Amen. Yeah, there, you know, sometimes we sit in church and we think, well, I just have an ordinary, ordinary testimony. I just got a normal, ordinary uh, uh, conversion testimony when I got saved. My, it's just ordinary. Let me tell you something, Christian. There ain't no such thing as an ordinary conversion. There ain't no ordinary a new life in Jesus Christ. Every soul saved is a Red Sea miracle. Every soul saved is snatched out of the pit of hell. Every soul saved is snatched up from the grave. It's delivered. It's, 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 there's no such thing as ordinary. Every salvation, every child of God is a story of hope for the hopeless. Hope for the hopeless. Romans 4.17, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him who believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Hey, if you're feeling hopeless today, if you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling down, let me remind you something. God snatched you from the grave. Amen. He snatched you from the pit. He pulled your life from destruction. He took you from the miry clay. He set you on a solid rock. He's established you going. Amen. He's put a little pep in your step at you going along the road. God's done that for you. He's delivered your life from destruction. Whatever the circumstances you find yourself in. Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sin hath quickened us together with Christ for by grace ye are saved and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. That's enough to make a Presbyterian shout right there. I mean I'm telling you what. You were dead in sin and trespass. And God who is rich in mercy, not just a little bit, but He's rich in amen. And His great love wherewith He loved us. He, He, He stepped on in. He quickened us. Uh, he made us alive against all hope. We were lying room temperature on the gurney, amen. The doctor called it. The nurse was out having a smoke, amen. The orderly was mopping up and in come Jesus with the paddles and went, beep! And he, life came flashing, crashing in against all hope. Against all hope. Dead in our sins and trespasses and against all hope, Christian. Ephesians 2.12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Against all hope, God stepped in. 
Against all hope, Christ stepped in. You were an alien from the commonwealth, stranger from the promise, having no hope. And without God, you were dead in your sins and trespasses, dead and on our way to hell, dead and without hope. And then Jesus Christ stepped in, and against all hope, He saves us. Against all hope, He delivers us. Against all hope, He rescues us. And if that doesn't make you shout, your shout is busted. You know, sometimes we do. We get a little sanctified among you know, I'm in church and yes, I'm saved and I'll pray Jesus. You know, we get a little bit like that sometimes. We forget. We didn't have any hope. Nothing happened, nothing dramatic happened. Oh no, no, we're just a bunch of rotten old sinners that had no hope. Filled with hope because Christ did a work on our behalf, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Wow. That's an amazing statement there. God called those things not to be, those things that be not as though they were against all hope. That means that God called me a rotten, dirty sinner. He didn't call me that. He called me a rotten, dirty sinner. He said, hey, I'm going to make this guy a righteousness of God in him. I'm going to make him righteous. There was no hope for me to be righteous. I can't manage righteous for 10 minutes. I didn't have any hope of being the righteousness of God in him. There was no hope of it. There's no chance of that happening, folks. The only reason I'm righteous is because God said I am. That's the only reason. There was no chance of that. Not by a mile. I didn't have any chance of that. Neither did you. The only reason we can be in God's presence is because he's called us righteous. Because he calleth those things that be not as though they were. He called him a sinner. Uh, He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He called him a sinner so he could call us righteous. It was a divine exchange. Second Corinthians 5, 20, 21, for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I had no hope of that. No expectation. God took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Wow. What a terrible deal for God. <laughs> and what a great deal for us. You know what's crazy about that though? He knew what he was getting when he t- made the deal. He he knew who he was picking. Now, I wasn't exactly what you might call of the athletic persuasion when I grew up in, in, in high school, high school at all. I was built more for comfort than speed, still am, you know. Uh, and uh, and so I was that kid, you know, uh, I was that kid that, you know, the, the other, the rest of the teams, uh, play, you know, I played a little football. I was the tackling dummy mostly. But, uh, but uh, uh, I was that kid where everybody else is already changing out of their uniforms and taking a shower and I'm still trying to run that lap. <laughs> You know, and, and I was a kid that was out, you know, way out and left, left out, lay, way out in left field. They had to put you in every now and then because your parents complained if you didn't, you know. And uh, but I, I'd be the one that's watching the butterflies, the balls going over the top. You know, they let they let me run the the, the snacks over to the snack shop. I was pretty good at that. Uh, and, and you know, I could pick up the the ba- the baseballs afterwards and that sort of thing. But but I, I wasn't really one that you really wanted on on your team. You know, when, 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 when gymnasium, gym class would happen, and I was always the last one picked. And it's like God walked in, and so I said, I'll take him on my team. I didn't have any hope for that. What a terrible, what a terrible pick, and yet God made the choice. Wow. 
It boggles the mind. All my sin, all of my imperfection, all my doubts, all of my struggles, all your shortcomings, all your struggles, all your doubts. God looked and said, I'll take them. I want them on my team. Wow, we didn't have any hope of that. Just boggles the mind. He made Jesus sin for us. He sacrificed his only son. We didn't have any hope for that. What a God we serve. We didn't deserve that. We didn't have any hope for that. We didn't have any expectation that God would do such a thing. Romans 4.18, who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Hey, we're his seed. We're the seed of Abraham. Hey, that's good news. He's talking about us right here. We didn't deserve that. Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he, he was also able to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. You know, I love that statement. <laughs> I love that statement because uh, Abraham didn't stagger at the promise, but he did kind of chuckle. <laughs> okay, We know he did kind of laugh about it and he did kind of try to help it along a little bit, you know, with his own his own plan. I think that whole fully persuaded there, I think that might have been a work in progress. You know, that gives me hope, though. That gives me hope because I'm a bit of a work in progress when it comes to my faith, too. Amen. Sometimes I get a little chick chuckle, uh, you know, when God gives me a promise or says, hey, why don't you do that? <laughs> you sure about that? God? I don't know about that. Genesis 17, 17, Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred and shall Sarah that is 90 year old bear? I mean, uh, it encourages me that Abraham looked at his wife and said, well, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Amen. I don't know how that's going to work out. It encourages me that Abraham's faith was a little bit of a work in progress, especially when I look at my faith. See, God doesn't leave us in the dark. He doesn't leave us hanging here. He doesn't leave us wondering, well, that was good for Abraham, but I'm not Abraham. I don't have that faith of Abraham, and I don't have that same relationship that Abraham had with God. I have no hope of that. Look at verse 23. Now it was written, it was not written for his sake alone that it shall be imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised up again for our justification. You know, the word of God doesn't leave us without hope. It doesn't leave us wondering. It doesn't leave us questioning. God says, and he tells us here, I didn't just do that for Abraham. I did it for you. Uh, I didn't just make those promises for Abraham. I made promises for you. This was for you who've placed your faith and trust in Christ. Your promises are the same because your God's the same. Your hope's the same because you're putting your hope in the same God that Abraham trusted in. Your hope isn't based on Abraham's faith. It's based on God's faithfulness. And if you're struggling, it's likely because you thought, oh, I brought something to the table and it ain't much. You're right, it ain't much. God didn't expect you to bring anything to the table. He set the table. He He provided the table in the wilderness. He sets the table. He gives us the right to eat at a table that others don't have a right to eat at. Amen. He's the one that made the table in the wilderness. That's God. He did it all. We had no hope. But God did it for us against all hope. Now look up at Romans 4, chapter 4, verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof his glory, but not before God. 
For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You know, Abraham had nothing, nothing to boast about before God either. We're not going to be up there listening to Abraham boast about how great his faith was and how, what a good deal God got when he got him. No, he's going to be just like the rest of us. Man, I didn't, I don't know how that happened. I didn't have any hope of that. I don't know why he called me his friend. I, I, I did this, I did that, and yet he called me his friend. I had no hope. Verse 4, Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. See, God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us salvation. He doesn't owe us an answer to our questions. He doesn't owe us his mercy, his forgiveness. He doesn't owe us his kindness, his blessing. He doesn't owe us his wealth, his health, his happiness, or his success. You know, sometimes we think, God, well, you should have. Or God, you could have. Or God, if you only would have. And I just want to say tonight, there's no hope in those statements. It's just disappointment. God doesn't owe us anything. And we don't place our hope in what he could do. We don't place our hope in what he should do. And we don't place our hope in if only he would do. What we place our hope in is what he's already done. That's where our hope is tonight, Christian. It's not in what he, what he should have done. It's what he's already done. Romans 4, 5. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Oh, it's getting good, Christian, because we're the ungodly. Amen. And that's good news for us, because, because he did that for us. And we didn't have any hope of that. We didn't have any hope. Against all hope, Jesus came for the sick, for the unwanted, for the outcast, for the down and outer, for the other side of the tracker, for the sinner. Against all hope. That's who God came for. And He got us. He got us. Against all hope, we have hope. Against all hope, we have a claim to a blessing. Our hope resides not in what He should have done, what He could have done, what He might have done. It's what He's already done. So three things. Three things. I told you I had three points. I'm getting there. I can't see that clock back there. Oh, you got plenty of time. You're fine. Three things. Romans 4, 6. Three blessings we received against all hope. Here it is. Romans 4, 6. Even as David had also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Against all hope, we have righteousness imputed to our account without having to do works for it. Wow. We don't have to labor in order to merit or earn heaven. That righteousness has already been imputed to us. It's been credited to our account. Against all hope, we receive the credit of righteousness to our account. What a blessing, Christian. We have an enduring righteousness based on Christ's righteousness and not our own. We stand before God on the merit of Jesus Christ, not our own merit, against all hope. That means I don't have to labor to go to heaven. I labor because I am going to heaven. What a difference. What a difference. It's the difference between uh, uh, paying the minimum payment on your credit card while you're still borrowing against it. There's no hope in that, by the way. And it ain't real fun. It's the difference between that and investing in your retirement account and putting money away in the future. It's just a difference that's Unbelievable. 
Christian, there's nothing too small that we do uh, for God to be rewarded by God. Giving a cup of water to the preacher qualifies. You know, if you were to talk to an investment advisor, they'd tell you, you know, blah, 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 long-term, you know, dollar cost averaging a little bit of time, let your investment grow, what's your retirement horizon, they'd go on and on till your eyes glazed over. You know, we have a pretty good retirement horizon because we're, we're talking about investing in eternity. So we got a long time for those things to grow and to, to, to mature and to develop those, the investments you're making now. Woo! Those are good little investments. Did you pick up some trash this week? Did you sweep up a, sweep up a foyer? Did you, did you, did you do something? Did you straighten up? Did you run a vacuum clean? Man, those are good little investments. Little acorn investments. My uh, kids got me an acorn account. Uh, they, well, actually, they wanted the bonus, so they made me sign up. Uh, so, uh, so that's how that worked. But I did, and I thought, well, you know, it's not what's it going to hurt? You know, ten bucks a week, and and you know, you get you put in ten in a week, and it's, it's you know a little investment account, and you do little roundups and stuff. But I was looking at it the other day, and it's probably six, seven hundred bucks in there. It's been about a year. Oh, that's not too bad, you know. That's not bad. I'm not going to retire on it, but it's not bad. Yeah, I've got another 60, 70 years of work. I should be okay. But if you need an acorn account, I can set you up one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, back to the message. It's commercial over. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm just saying, uh, over time, those investments, they're huge. And all the little bits of service that nobody saw and nobody, nobody, uh, nobody, uh, uh, recognized and nobody cared, but you did it out of a heart for God and a heart for souls and a heart to serve with all those little investments that, you, man, they're gonna pay off big in eternity. We didn't have any hope of that. Against all hope, we don't have to pay off debt. We're investing in eternity. So against all hope, we have a righteousness imputed to our account without having to do any works for it. Number two, Romans 4, 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Against all hope, our iniquities are forgiven. Our sins are covered. Hey, man, there's a girl that knows how to sign up for an acorn account. Thank you. That's awesome. Our iniquities are forgiven. Our sins are covered. We didn't have any expectation of that. I did the math. And I, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to go low on sins per day, you know, one of those kind of things. I figured, get a hundred was probably pretty good. That's fine. For an hour. Maybe, maybe not quite that many, but you know, every, every bad attitude, every wrong thought, every wrong deed, every, every, every bad word, everything I muttered under my breath, every time I was disappointed, every time I was, uh, uh, you know, disappointed in what God did and or murmured against her, or what, all those different things and things I said I shouldn't have said and things I didn't say that I should have said and all the sins of omission and commission. And then I multiplied by 365. And then I multiplied by 47 years. Then my wife said, you're 57. I said, oh man. <laughs> 57 years. It was over a million. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe some good days I didn't do 100. Maybe I did 50. It's still a lot. Every sin against God. He defines what sin is. He sets the rules. So every sin I commit is ultimately against Him. 
all the wrongs I've done, all the wicked words, all the awful deeds, all of those things. It's a massive amount of debt. God doesn't owe me anything. I've just amassed this incredible debt. All the ingratitude, all the entitlement, false expectation, bitterness, all the snark. But Christian, he paid a debt he did not owe. And I owed a debt I could not pay. And the old account was large and growing every day. And I was always sinning and never tried to pay. And all that past stuff and all that past sin and all the past garbage against all hope, Christ paid that debt. Oh, what a blessing. You being dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your, uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of an ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Oh, we had no hope of that. But against all hope, our iniquities are forgiven and our sins are covered. Against all hope, righteousness has been imputed unto us. And number three, quickly, against all hope, Romans 4, 8, Blessed is man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You know, against all hope, the Lord's not imputing sin against us. That's crazy. That means he stopped logging the sin against our account. He's not walking around with his clipboard. You know, let's see how much sin we got over here today. Eh, it's not too bad of a pile. We'll just mark that down over here. Oh, oh boy, we're gonna, we're gonna need some more paper here. This ain't, this ain't not good. Oh, there's nothing over here. Look at that sweet face. She brought me a glass of water. You know, God's not doing that. He's not checking it out. He's not making the list and checking it twice. He's not holding our sin over our head. Psalm 103.10, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Oh, Christian, against all hope, we have a God like our God. All that we go through in this life, all the heartache, all the heartbreak, all the setback, all the pains, all the discouragement, it pales in comparison to this God of ours. We don't deserve a God like that. We don't deserve a God that's treated us like our God has treated us. But against all hope, we have a God that will not impute sin unto us. Doesn't mean we can sin without, without consequence. That's not what I'm preaching tonight. That means that God's not holding it over our head for his love for us. The wage of sin is death. We know that. We know that you, you yield yourself to sin. It becomes your master. And we know all of that. In Romans chapter 6, what shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. No, 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 no. None of that. But he's not imputing it to our account. What a God we serve. We didn't deserve that. Against all hope, we got it. So we have a triple blessing. He imputes us with his righteousness. He forgives our sin and iniquity and he will not impute sin unto us. What a God. We didn't have any hope. So what are you hoping for today? Or perhaps what have you given up hope on? 
What are you placing your hope in? I don't know what you're facing today or this week or this month, this year. I don't know if you feel like you got the raw end of the stick or not. I don't, I don't know if you feel like you got the, the bad end of the deal. I don't know what's got you overwhelmed. I don't know what you're feeling despondent or discouraged about, uh, disappointed about. I don't know what you're feeling forlorn about. I don't know what's got you uh, given up on. But I do know this. We didn't have any hope for anything. And God's given us everything. We didn't have any hope for anything, and God has given us everything. All the treasures uh, that He owns, we have a part of. We have an inheritance that's uh, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. Amen. God's given us that. He's given us His promises. He's given us His sweet assurance. He's given us His presence. He's given us our whole, His Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and, and I know this, that our God, who it may look grim and gray and dingy and down and it may be utterly hopeless and you may think this is utterly hopeless but we serve a God Christian who specializes in the utterly hopeless. Amen? Thank God we do. I don't know what your immediate future holds. I don't know what your health situation is going to end. I don't know how about your financial troubles that you're having. I don't know about your relationship Resolution, your problems at work, your spouse, your kids, your housing, your vehicle problems. I don't know about any of those things, how that's going to resolve itself. I don't know how the short term is going to look. But I do know this. If you trusted Jesus, you're out, your long-term outlook is looking real good. <laughs> it's looking real good. We have hope. Our hope isn't placed in this place and the things of this earth. Our hope is in God and what he did on the cross. Romans 4.18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time that we've had to uh, gather, Lord, and to just have a, some fellowship, Lord, and just to think about and just really ponder, Lord, what you've done for us against all hope. Lord, there's no new truth here, but truth that I think we all need reminding from time to time, how good you've been to us. And Father, I just pray that you encourage hearts tonight. I don't know what the need is, God, but you do. I know there's needs. Father, I know there's fears. Father, I know there's things going on in people's lives that maybe they've told no one, but you know. And Father, I just pray that you encourage them tonight. Against all hope, God, we have hope because of what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Lord, I pray that you watch over each one this week as... They go our separate ways, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen the preacher, God, that you'd give him the strength he needs to preach Sunday morning, Lord. I pray that you continue to uh, strengthen his body, God. And Father, as he uh, as he struggles and, and, and with his flesh, Lord, I know his spirit's strong. Lord, that was going to be discouraging days. Father, I pray that you'd help him. And Father, I pray that we'd all be encouraged today as we consider what you've done for us. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.